Amen. Amen. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, is now. Wow. It's like, you know, well, I love Jesus. And I'm just grateful for what he's done in my life. I'm grateful for, for where he brought me from and where he's taken me to. And the journey in between is a wild ride, and man, it's so much fun. It's, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to be here this morning. And as you turn in your Bibles to Mark 5, we're going we're gonna to read from uh, Mark 5, starting in verse 21. But uh, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to share with you this morning. Um, thank you, for thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking, because if you hear anything good out of this mouth today, it's going to be because God's doing it, okay? Um, it's not, it's not because of Joel, it's because of him working through me. That's why I say I'm grateful, and I just love the Lord with all my heart. And uh, I, I cannot say enough, uh, I cannot tell Jesus how much I love him this morning. So as we look at Mark 5, we're going to read a, a story uh, together. And in verse 21, it says, When Jesus had again crossed over by a boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she got worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Well, you see the people crowding around you. His disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear told him the whole truth. She said, excuse me, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some of the people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore overhearing what they said Jesus told him don't be afraid just believe he did not let anyone follow him that's Jesus except Peter James and John the brother of James when they came to the house of the synagogue synagogue leader Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and people wailing loudly he went in and he said to them why all the commotion and wailing the child's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother, 
and the disciples who were with him, and he went in to where the child was. And he took her by the hand and he said, Talithia, no, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old, and at, and at this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we have your word, and we know your word is true, and we know, God, that everything in there is in there for a reason. So as we read this story, we see many things, and I pray, Father, that you would help us to see with spiritual eyes and hear with spiritual ears this morning. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in this place this morning. We give you all the praise, Lord Jesus, and ask it in your name. Amen. This story is about a, name, a man named Jairus. And the name Jairus literally means one who gives off light. Yet for this man, it's one of the darkest hours that one can experience. The lights have gone out because his only daughter is dying. A parent would not want to lose any of their children. But if you only have one child, as Will and I do, to lose one is to lose all. So I can start to understand a little bit about the dilemma this man is in. Here's a man whose daughter is dying, and the lights have gone out in his life. What do you do when the lights go out? When everything starts caving in, when your hopes and your dreams, your health and everything else starts coming to an end, what do you do? What do you do? Jairus, he was a religious man. He was the ruler of the synagogue. And this man had clout. He not only had religious clout, he had social clout in his community. But verse 22 says he came and he fell at the feet of Jesus, and he pleaded with him. You see, when you're desperate, you don't care what anybody else says or what they think. You don't worry about if it's socially acceptable. You don't care because somehow somebody has got to do something right now. The reason Jairus came to Jesus was because he was in trouble. You know, a lot of times that's the only time when we come to Jesus. The only time we make time for Jesus is when we need something. The rest of the time, we're too busy to give Jesus even the time of day. They may not have been in church for a couple of months, but oh, when something happens, look out, move over. I've got to see Jesus. Am I right? As the ruler of the synagogue, he would have never come to Jesus. He didn't need to because he had his religion. But his religion could not help him. And I want to tell you something right now. If all you have is religion, your religion is not going to help you. Your religion is not going to help you. You have to have a relationship, a relationship with the living God. Amen? You have to know without a doubt that you have a God who hears you and is here right now doing what exactly you need and you can lay your burdens at his feet. You know, you may have, he may have had a church suddenly like, like we right, have right here at Memorial who loved him and, and, and wanted to help him, but there's only so much that your church family can do. 
So he came to Jesus because Jesus was the only one. Let me say it again. He was the only one who could do what he was asking. Because only Jesus can heal, amen? The doctors can help, but only Jesus can ultimately heal you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He's touched me and healed me. So I know Jesus can heal. I want to pull over here for a minute like Ridge says. You know, uh, sometimes things come into our life and we don't always understand them. And I believe that sometimes God allows things. I didn't say causes them, but allows them to come into our life. Sometimes I think he allows them to bring us closer, to bring us closer to him. Why would he do that? So he can love you up close. So he can love you up close, so he can hold you in his arms. You know, oftentimes we reject that trouble, that difficulty, that problem, but in doing so, we miss out on one of the greatest blessings in our life. We say it is not good, but God can use all things for the good of those who love him. Amen? Amen. All things. Now I think about I think about this guy named Peter. He was out in the boat, and he sees Jesus walking across the water. I just love Peter. And y'all know the story. And Peter, Peter gets all excited, and he says, and this is Joel's translation. He said, I can do that if you just tell me to. So Jesus said, all right, come on. And he gets out of the boat, and he starts walking toward Jesus. And he was so excited, he never even stopped to think about what he was doing. I'm, I know in, in, in my mind, it's like, I can understand. He, he, he's like, there's Jesus. I'm getting out and I'm going right now. But when he started to look at his circumstances, that changed everything. You know, sometimes we let our circumstances change the miracle that is happening right before our eyes. Amen? Amen. We look at what's happening around us. We don't look at the miracle. We don't look at what God's doing. We start to trust what we're doing and we stop believing in what God's doing. And just like Peter, we start to sink in our doubt and in our discouragement. Gets the best of us. Then instead of walking by faith, we're gasping for belief. When Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he started to sink. But Jesus, lovingly, he lifts Peter out of the water and he carries him back to the boat. Let me ask you a question. How do you carry someone? You don't carry them out here, right? You carry them right here. You carry them right here. So let me ask you another question. Would you rather walk on water or would you rather be carried in the arms of Jesus? Right up close to him. Right up close to him. You see, Peter would have never been carried in the arms of Jesus had he not gotten into trouble. He got out of the boat on his own, but God allowed it. God allowed it. And if trouble brings you to Jesus, then it's worth it. I'm telling you right now, I've been there, done that, it is worth it. If it brings you to Jesus, no matter what it is, it's worth it. We've seen the reason why Jairus came to Jesus. So what was the response of Jesus? He immediately turned around and he started at the house of the synagogue leader. The, the crowd of people see the ruler of the synagogue bowing down to Jesus and asking for his help. So as they see Jesus turn around and start to go to his house, the crowd follows. Now we're going to pull over again because there's a miracle within a miracle here. 
And it's the only time that it happens in the New Testament. And like I said, I, I think everything is in the Bible for a reason. And I think it's important because it shows us that Jesus is big enough to take care of your problem, your problem, your problem, your problem, my problem all at the same time. He is omnipresent, not omnipresent, and he is omniscient. He knows what's going on everywhere, all the time with every one of us. He is big enough to take care of everyone's problem. He's not limited. And you see, nothing is too big for God. Nothing is too big for our God. Amen? As they're walking along in verse 42, the crowd, verse 42 says the crowd almost crushed him. Then all of a sudden, Jesus stops. One of the disciples must have said, Lord, why'd you stop? Y'all ever been in a big crowd? You ever been, you ever been somewhere when you're getting out of a ball game or something and everybody's pushing and everybody's shoving and people are bumping into you? But Jesus' response was, somebody touched me. I can just see Peter, because that's the guy you know always says things. I can just see Peter looking at Jesus. You gotta be kidding me. Somebody, duh, somebody did touch you, Jesus. But no, it wasn't somebody who bumped into him. It was the particular person. A particular person who in faith believed with all of her heart that Jesus could make a difference in her life. We should be that kind of people. The ones who will do whatever it takes to touch even the edge, even the hem, even the tip of his cloak. A people who believe that Jesus is the way to healing in our lives and in our nation. Amen? The people who have the faith to move them out knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. As Jesus turns around, he sees this anemic, skin and bones, hulk of a wretched, dirty woman. The Bible says she came trembling and she fell at his feet. And she confesses, it was me, Master. It was me. You see, this woman had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She had spent all of her money on quack doctors, but none had been able to help her, so she was penniless. She was in religious trouble because as long as her body had been hemorrhaging, she was considered unclean and she could not go to the temple to worship. So she hadn't been in the temple at least for 12 years. She was in physical trouble because of all the years of hemorrhaging and life is in the blood, and now she is pale, and she is drained. She is in social trouble because all her money is gone, and, and usually when your money's gone, your friends are gone. So she's penniless, and she's probably wearing rags. She was an outcast in every way, but that didn't stop her. She knows that she only has one chance. So she reaches out, and with one last bit of energy, she throws herself at Jesus to touch his cloak. Jesus felt her because he felt a soul in need of healing. He felt a soul in need of mercy. So how does Jesus respond? The first word out of his mouth says it all. He said, daughter. He said, daughter. Daughter, your faith has healed you. 
John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Hallelujah. The right to become part of God's family. The right to become children of God. This is the kind of loving God and Savior that we have in Jesus Christ. A God who does not see where you've been or what you are, but who you can be. Here we have the most important man in the city and we have the lowest woman in the city and both of them come to Jesus and they both did the very same thing. Did the same thing that we must do to receive forgiveness and eternal life. And what they do? They fell at the feet of Jesus and they begged for mercy. They fell at the feet of Jesus and they begged for mercy. Unlike some, unlike some sitting here today, they both recognized their need, and neither one put their pride above their problem. Neither one put their pride above their problem. We need to recognize and we need to understand that pride is a huge stumbling block for so many of us. It was a huge one for me. It's like, I can't do that. I can't put all my faith. I can't give everything to Jesus because I'm supposed to be in charge. I'm supposed to be in control. I'm not in charge or in control of anything, like Ridge says. I'm just here. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. We need to get back on the road so we can finish our story. So while Jesus is finishing up this miracle, while he's still speaking, a messenger comes to tell Jairus that his daughter has died. Well, you might as well not bother the master anymore. All hope is gone. All hope is gone. Sometimes we're like that. We might as well not bother God with this. After all, all hope is gone. Really? I mean, when we do that, who are we, who are we listening to? Are we listening to Satan or are we listening to God? When, do, when, when we do that, where's our faith? Where's our faith? The Bible says all things are possible to God. It doesn't say some things. It didn't say some of the time. It says all things are possible. All things are possible. We need to remember that, we need to remember that even when Jesus is four days late, he's still right on time. Amen? Amen? All things are possible. Jesus says to Jairus, don't listen. Don't listen to those people. Just believe. And he did. You got to believe when everybody else says no. You got to believe in the power of the God and the power of the Holy Spirit. You got to believe in what Jesus said in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And in John 1, 14, it says, in him was life. You've got to believe. You've got to believe. Well, now they've arrived at the house of Jairus, and three things happened. First, Jesus entered. You see, Jairus was not ashamed to take Jesus home with him. A lot of times we live one way at church and another way at the house. If Jesus isn't at work in your home, then coming to visit him on Sunday will never make a difference in your life. Today, more than ever, we need Jesus in our homes right here in America. Amen? Amen. 
You know, we, we uh, have a good news club right down here at, at Ray Allen Elementary. And a lot of the kids that come and they invite Jesus into their heart, they return to a home where there's one parent or no parent. And some of the parents send their kids because they want their kids to hear about Jesus, but they don't go to church. When you ask the kids if they go to church, well, every once in a while we go. They don't attend church on a regular basis. We need Jesus in our homes. We need Jesus in our homes. The second thing that happened when Jesus entered the house of Jairus, Jesus drove out the hypocrites. Those who laughed at him, those who were hired, and they mourned publicly in verse 38. They were, they were carrying on, they were crying, and they were wailing. But when Jesus tells him that the girl's only asleep, their crying turns to laughing. How does that happen? How does that happen? Just like that, they turn off one and turn on the other. God hates hypocrites. He hates it when we come on Sunday and we put on our Sunday face. We put on our church face, but then we leave here and on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Saturday, we live in the world. We do what the world does. We say what the world says. We think like the world. No, you're supposed to have your church face on every day. You're supposed to have your Jesus face on every day. Amen? God hates hypocrisy. God hates hypocrites, so he put them out. As Jesus gets ready to perform another miracle, I want you to notice the perfect number, the God number of people that were left in the house. He sent everybody else away. But Peter, James, John, the girl, the girl's mom, the girl's dad, and Jesus. Seven people. Seven people, that's all remained in the house. Like I said, different things in the Bible for a reason. So we see what he did is he, before, before growth could take place, he had to prune. He had to get rid of the dead wood. He had to get rid of the junk out of that house so he could do what he wanted to do. So when God prunes you, when he gets rid of the junk, don't gripe about it. It's there for a reason. God knows what he's doing. The third thing that happened whenever, whenever Jesus went to the house of Jairus is uh, Jesus enlightened the household. Jesus took the little girl and said, little girl, get up. Immediately, instantly, she got up. You see, when Jesus touches death, death has to respond. When the light of the world touches darkness, darkness turns to light, Amen. When the light of the world touches darkness, darkness turns to light. Walk into a dark room, you flip on the switch, what happens? Instantly light. What happens to darkness? It's gone. That's the way it is in our lives. We invite Jesus into our life, and, 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 and a light comes on. And we're changed, the Bible says, we're a new creation. When the little girl got up, the father who thought that his daughter was sickness was the darkest hour of his life, suddenly saw the light. Jesus, the one who can make all things, all things new, had just brought light into their home. 
had just changed this darkness into a bright light. Parents know whenever the kid comes running in, especially the little kids come running in, and it, it just you smile on your face. It just lightens up the room. Everything changes. That's what happened when this little girl up, got up. His, her, her daddy, who had just, just thought she was dying, he just, all of a sudden, a big old change. That's what happens when Jesus comes into our hearts. All of a sudden, a big old change happens. Lastly, to prove that this little girl was alive, Jesus told him to give her something to eat. Why did he do that? Because dead people don't eat. It's not the first time that he, whenever, whenever he came back from the dead, he came back from the tomb, he had something to eat so the disciple could see he wasn't a ghost, he's real. Because dead people don't eat. But there's more than one kind of dead people. They're spiritually dead. They're spiritually dead. And they don't eat either. When I'm talking about eating, I'm talking about this right here. Spiritually dead people don't understand this. Spiritually dead people don't have a clue. And they have to be fed. Just like little children. They have to be fed. They don't understand. They can't read this and understand it. But you know what? God doesn't want us to remain kids for the rest of our lives. He doesn't want us to remain little children for the rest of our lives. He wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. And he wants us to share with our friends, with those that y'all know that I don't know. I'd be glad to share the gospel with them, but I don't know them. And I don't, I'm not around them, but y'all are. So I tell the kids at, at, at Ray Allen, y'all know kids that I don't know. You have to share the gospel with them. If you don't share with them, who's going to? When you grow and then you share with others, it's called discipleship. It's exactly what Jesus said we should do. It's called discipleship. Maybe you're dead. Oh, you're walking around, but you're spiritually dead. Maybe you've never received eternal life and the kind of forgiveness I'm talking about. Maybe, just maybe, you need to fall at the feet of Jesus just like Jairus, just like this woman did. Fall at the feet of Jesus and cry out for mercy. And cry out for mercy. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Well, I'll just wait till tomorrow, Brother Joel. How do you know you're going to be here tomorrow? I'll just wait till tomorrow to tell my son or my daughter or my wife or my, my cousin, whoever, about Jesus. How do you know they're going to be here tomorrow? How do you know you're going to be there to share with them? It's important that we take advantage each and every day of the opportunities we're have, that we have. And each one of us are given an incredible opportunity each day to make a difference in someone else's life. But many times, many times we let it slide by. And most of the time we don't ever even see it. There, there, are, so many, there are so many things in this short story that where we can see Jesus working. He didn't let anything slide by. He took advantage of every one of them. And you can see, as I said a while ago, that, that everything's in here for a reason. And we see that Jesus, by, by, by ministering to this woman while he's on the house, on the way to the house, to see Jairus' daughter, by ministering to this woman he, he did, he, as you're going, 
The Bible says, go you therefore. It means while you are going. The literal transformation is while you are going. Not when you get there you do it, but as you're going. Every day, each one of us has an opportunity to make a difference in someone else's life, like I said before. You have an opportunity this morning to fall at the feet of Jesus. You have an opportunity. Will you let your pride stand in front of your trouble, in front of your problem? Will you let your pride keep you from asking Jesus to make a difference in your life? 